Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. I will let you know that we've got some ushers at the back that with some uh, squirt guns in case anybody starts dozing off. They've been instructed to run up there and give you a little shot. Also, in case any of the foliage catch on fire up here, they're going to be they're going to be good for that as well. Uh, but I'm excited to uh, to be with you this morning. I'm excited to uh, I, I'm going to look at it this way instead of instead of getting the, the Sunday that, you know, everybody's tired and say, I, I'm going to look at it as the lead off Sunday for 2017. So I'm going to I'm going to look at it that way <laughs> this morning. The lead off hitter for 2017. Um, when I was at MTSU, I was involved in uh, Baptist Student Union and we were looking uh to try to expand some of our reach to uh, some of our uh, foreign students um, on campus there. And we were looking for a church uh, to host these events. And really, we just kind of needed a place. But uh, I was serving at a church, but that church was way out in the country. And, and we wanted something that was really close you know, to the campus there. And so there was a church, a Baptist church that backed up like right to the property of the campus and we thought this is this would be a great place we could we could get this so we were able to get an audience with their uh, leadership and uh, their leadership structure there was that the uh, was the deacons and so we met with the the deacon body and began to kind of go through this proposal of what it was that, that we wanted to do and how we wanted to reach these students and during our during that time I just noticed there's one guy who just is not into it at all uh, like you, you've been in that meeting where you just this guy's just like he's not into it at all. Facial expressions, body expressions, nothing told me that he had any interest at all. And so we went on and on. It was me and, and two other guys and we went on and on and uh, uh, asked for questions. Questions came. We answered those. And towards the end of the meeting, this gentleman just spoke up and said, you know, I just don't I just don't think this is a good idea. And. So we're like, oh, OK, so why, why is that? And he said, well, I mean, why do we need to reach college students? They go home in the summer and they don't tithe. Well, I can't tell you a whole lot of what happened after that, because I think I might have blacked out for a second. But I know that all the blood ran to my head and, and I was just overwhelmed. With anger with sadness, just overwhelmed. And so we walk out of the meeting and this uh, couple of other guys came to me and they they just said, you know, don't 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 worry about him. That's just the way he is. That's just how he is. You just got to overlook him. That's what we just kind of overlook him. You just got to do that. So there was a lot of things about this that bothered me. But I think what bothered me the most is that it didn't really bother them. It didn't really bother them that they had someone in, in leadership who, who felt this way. And we have kind of come to this in the, in, a, in the American church. We've kind of come to expect this idea over the years where if we grow up in the church, we walk down the aisle and we say a prayer. 
and we go to VBS and we do all the church stuff that that we're good. That there really doesn't have to be a change that happens in our life. We just kind of come to expect that in the American church. The problem is, is you're not going to find that kind of Christian in here. And you're not going to find that kind of Christian in the pages of the Bible. See, the New Testament teaches us that Jesus changes us. How can we believe in a God who created everything that we see in nature, everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that we taste, everything that we smell, everything? How can we believe in a God that created all that, that that God can come and live inside of us and have no effect on our life at all? How can how can we believe that? If you're a believer in Christ, you should be able to take stock in your life, to look back in your life and say, you know, when Jesus came into my heart, something happened to me. I'm not the same person that I was when that happened. Now, maybe it wasn't an instantaneous, you know, thing, exact moment that you can remember. It can be a progressional thing that happens, but at some point you look back at your life and go, I'm not the same person that I used to be. I once was blind spiritually, but now I see. And so we're going to look. We're going to be in Colossians this morning, and it's the passage that Christy read for us. Chapter three, if you got your Bible, go ahead and open that. If you got the Bible in your seat back there, it's page six hundred and thirty nine. If you're a guest with us this morning and uh, you don't have a Bible of your own, we'd invite you to take that Bible as our gift to you. This is a letter that Paul is writing to the church at Colossia. And the first part of this letter is four chapters and the first part of this letter Uh, deals with the foundational truth of who Jesus is. And the second half of this letter deals with who we are now because of Jesus. And so much rests on these two things. Who Jesus is and who we are now because of Jesus. And folks, if we get that, who we are now because of Jesus, if we get that, it's going to radically change your life. And it's going to radically change Providence Baptist Church. So open your Bibles with me. Let's read that again. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, 
and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall then you also will appear with him in glory. Through your relationship with Christ, you have been changed. Flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, just a couple pages over. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now I want us to focus on this this idea for for just a minute. God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This that we read here from Paul, both in Ephesians and, and Colossians, is a positional statement. If we are in Christ, this is how we are viewed. Everything that Christ has, I have. His resources are our resources. His righteousness is our righteousness. His power is our power. Now, the prosperity gospel has hijacked some of this idea from us, but we understand that um, this is not some kind of name it and claim it, hocus pocus kind of kind of thing that that's that's going on here. Well, God's greatest desire and purpose uh, is not our health, wealth, prosperity, and happiness. God's greatest desire and purpose is to make His name famous, and so that is to be our purpose as well to glorify God. What's our purpose statement here to worship and enjoy God and lead others to do the same that is our purpose and Paul wants us to gather three things in in Colossians that speak to us about who we are positionally in Christ and you know the the, the Greek tense for all these things are are speaking of it as if these things have already been done. Okay, this is not something that we're waiting on. These things have already been done. So let's look at this. Open up your notes to point number one. If you got your bulletin with you there, point number one. My sin has been dealt with. My sin has been dealt with. Romans 6.23, familiar verse to many of us, tells us the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And what is a wage? Something that we have earned, right? Death is what we have earned. That's our wage. It belongs to us. Angie and I are having some work done on our house right now. We've got a gentleman there who's doing some some work in our upstairs and he's uh you know 
working away up there. And when he's done, we're going to write him a check for the work that he's done. That is his wage. That's what he's earned. He's done he's done the, the work for us. It belongs to him. Now, our original design was not death. That's not what we were originally designed for. But then man entered the picture and sin and sinned. And so along with that sin came death. And not just and what Paul is talking about here, not just a physical death, but a spiritual death as well. Spiritual death being separated from God our Creator God for all eternity in a place called hell. But if we are in Christ, our sin, what we've earned, is dealt with. Can I get an amen for that? It is dealt with. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took the penalty of my sin. Jesus took the penalty of your sin. And He died a physical death on the cross and took on the full wrath of God for us. Being fully God and fully man, hypostatic union, fully God, fully man, in every way that death impacts us, it impacted him on the cross. Now, Paul tells us in Colossians 3 here, what we just read that. You died, you and I died with him. And what does that mean? His death is my death. He died in my place. Positionally, I died with him. All my sin has been atoned for. It's been dealt with. John MacArthur says it this way. In what sense has the believer died? In the sense that the penalty for sin has been paid. The wages of sin is death. So we must die by union with Jesus Christ. We died. The required death in him. Thus the penalty is paid and sin can never claim us again. Its presence and power can still affect us, but it cannot condemn us. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, there is now what? Say it with me. There is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the original meaning for no there is no. None. All of my sins past, all of my sins present, all of my sins future have been atoned for. 
And you say, future sin been atoned for? And when Jesus died on the cross, all sin was future sin, right? So yes, future sin has been atoned for. Point number two. My eternity is secure. My eternity is secure. Listen to what Paul says here in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, your life is, later on down, he says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want to go back and read, turn back over to Ephesians. This is a verse, uh, part of the verse that Joe read a little bit earlier. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. I want to read this to you. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in heaven, in the heavenly places, in Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 6 here. Seated us. Seated us. That sounds done, right? Seated us. Our place in Christ is so secure that God sees us as if we are already in the heavenly places. It's done. It's finished. If we are in Christ, we are secure. Clyde Cranford said, our security rests not in our ability to hold on to Him, but in His ability to hold on to us. See, if, if you put yourself there in the heavenly places, if you put yourself there, you've got to keep yourself there. But you didn't do it. I didn't do it. He did. If you're a, a parent or you've ever been in charge of a child, you understand that there's a difference in a child holding your hand and you holding a child's hand. Right? We get that. It's kind of cute when kids are small and they reach up and they just grab your finger. You know, everybody get that? They've had that. You know, they just kind of grab your finger and walk along. And they walk along with you there until they see something that's a little more shiny and pretty over here and then they're going to let go of your hand and run away. But things change a little bit if you're in a parking lot. Or if you're crossing a street. Right? You're not letting that child hold onto your hand. You're holding their hand. And you got that kind of that death grip around the wrist thing there that they're just they're not coming. They're not coming loose with that. 
It's not you holding on to him. He is holding on to you. John MacArthur said it this way, if it was possible for me to lose my salvation, I would. If it was us, if it was up to us to hold on or let go, we would let go. But he is holding on to us. Verse three there in Colossians chapter three says that you have been hidden with Christ. But then he goes on further to say that you have been hidden with Christ in God. And one pastor said it this way. You know what Paul is doing here? He elevates our eternal security to the unity of the Trinity. I'm not just hidden with Christ. I'm hidden with Christ in God. And in order for me to lose my salvation, there would have to be a breach in the Trinity. That is secure. Amen? That is secure. Now, why do we have so much trouble seeing ourselves this way? Why is it that we we have such a hard time seeing who we are in Christ? Because we are so performance driven. We are so performance driven. This idea of what goes around comes around. This idea of karma, um, whatever you want to call it. This idea that if I want more, I've got to do more. And in certain areas of your life, that's true. I mean, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with working hard and being the best at what you do. Matter of fact, that glorifies God. But the problem is, we can't turn that off. We want to bring that into our <clears throat> our spiritual life. You don't have to wake up every day and try to earn God's love. He's holding on to you. And not the other way around. Point number three. All I need, I have in him. All I need, I have in him. In Christ, I have all that I need to live a godly life. And we've been reading a lot from Paul. Let's let's flip over to Look at another New Testament writer, Peter, Second Peter. We're going to look at chapter one, verse three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, sometimes 
as believers, we struggle with this sense of inadequacy. And it's because we tend to take people and put them in this super Christian category. Uh, and we do this even with people in the Bible. Right? Even with people in the Bible, we do this. And to do this really misses the point. Because there are no super Christians. I mean, these people that, that we're reading uh, were fishermen and tax collectors and carpenters. And Paul was a religious zealot. Um, and, you know, these were these were average people. Of the day we do this here, we, we take pastors and put them on a pedestal, we take um, people who maybe people who mentor us and we put them on a pedestal and we just say, man, if I could just if I just had what they have, then I would just I would evangelize my whole neighborhood. If I just if I just did that, if I if, if I could do what they do, then I would just evangelize my whole neighborhood. Well, according to Scripture, you have everything that you need. Everything that you need. You lack nothing. The most important ability that you can bring to God is availability. The most important ability that you can bring to God is availability. You lack nothing. So I want you to do this. I want you to say these three points with me again. Okay? I'm going to start with point number one. My sin, say it with me, my sin has been dealt with. Point number two, my eternity is secure. Point number three, all I need, I have in him. Now the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? So how does it, all this work out in real life? All that God has done for us positionally he works out in us practically. So, in this passage, Paul, um, so we've looked at, in this passage, he gives us three statements of completed action. Three positional statements. We've just talked about those. But he also gives us two imperatives. And those are, keep seeking the things above and set your mind on the things above. So based on who we are now, we should respond by, by setting our minds on things that are eternal. Paul is saying here that the life I now live should be a reflection of the position that I have. 
Ephesians 4 tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Some of the most uh, miserable people I know are Christians who are trying to live out of the resources of this world. And who are trying to attain the things of this, this world. So how do we do this? What does this look like? Well, at Providence, we've kind of given you a pathway here. We talked about it just a minute ago. Our purpose, our, our purpose statement is to worship and enjoy God and lead others to do the same. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, anybody got your bulletin? Look at the cover of, the, of your bulletin here. The four points are on there. We gather. We grow. We serve. And we go. We gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we're doing right now. So good job. We gather together and we, and we understand that this time for us is an important time. This time for us to gather together as a body of believers is vital to us. And we need to look at it that way. We need to look at it with eager anticipation. We grow in the Word. We grow in the Gospel. We do this through small groups, through community groups, through discipleship, through one-on-one, holding each other accountable, lifting each other up. We grow together as believers. And we serve. We find a place of service here in the church. God's Giftings do not include pew setter or chair setter. That, that's not a gift. You weren't given that. You need to find a place of service in the church. You need to serve your community. You need to serve uh, your kids' little league team. Whatever it is, we want to... We want to a mark of our love for Christ to be service in Him. Like He served. Like He was a servant. And then go. Go to your neighbors. And go to the nations. Go to your neighbors first. People who are my neighbors? Well, obviously your neighbors are your neighbors. People live right next door to you. People live across the street from you. But also the people that you work with the people that you fellowship with the people that you uh, are if your you know kids are involved in sports those parents that are there those those are your neighbors we go to them we share the love of, of Christ with them first we build a relationship with them and then we and then we hopefully get to a point where we can share the the love of Christ with them and we go to the nations yes we go to the nations. We have opportunities for that here. There's opportunities galore. If one of the opportunities that we have at Providence don't fit what you're looking for, we'll find you some some way to go to the nations. But I believe it is important for all of us to do that. To go. This is what a disciple looks like when you read Scripture. They gather together, they grow, they serve, and they go. This is what a disciple looks like. This is not a program. 
that we came up with and just decided, hey, these things sound cool and we'll just, this is a program. No, this is what a discipleship looks like. And when we understand who we are in Christ, this is what our mindset should be. To think beyond this life And as Paul says in Colossians, to think on the things that are above. I wish I could take credit for this illustration, but I can't. This is something that I have seen from Francis Chan. It is a very good illustration to kind of make this point. I want you to imagine this rope just goes on and on and on for eternity. has no end. It doesn't end here at the banister. You've got to use your imagination a little bit. It goes on and on and on. And I want you to imagine this rope represents a timeline of your life. This is a timeline of your life. And this little orange piece is your time here on earth. And some of us are so obsessed with this. So obsessed with this little piece. You know, we think well, I'm going to work really hard here. And then when I get to this little piece right here, this little part right here, man, I'm really going to live it up then. That's, that's, that's going to be it. But what about this? As you see, what we do here in this little piece determines the rest of the timeline. What we do here determines the rest. And we're so focused on this one little piece. So my challenge to you today What is your heart set on? What is your mind set on? Paul says that we've been given a position that's greater than that. We need to set our hearts and our minds on things that are eternal. And what He started in us positionally, He's going to work out in us practically. And we have the promise that when Christ returns, He's going to finish what He started. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, I pray today that Lord, that our hearts and, and minds have been have been opened, have been challenged, have been have been our hearts have been have been pricked a little bit because we are all guilty of focusing on the here and now. But Father, I pray that as we move into a new year, as we move into a new, a, a new time of, of beginnings, that today will be the day. That Jesus changes us. Father, I just thank you. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.